On this week's episode, we welcome U.S. Attorney for the District of Maryland, Eric Barron. How difficult is it today for law enforcement? So first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, law enforcement is difficult. It's, uh, it's a difficult job uh, uh, across the board, uh, from the cop on the beat uh, to the prosecutor in the, in the courtroom and, and in the office and, and beyond. Uh, it's difficult work, but it's fulfilling, and people, people do it because they know they're making a difference. What, what do you think you have accomplished the most in your two years as the U.S. Attorney for Maryland? Well, I, I hope in, in collaboration and, and, and working with our team at the U.S. Attorney's Office and more broadly um, that we've had a, a significant uh, 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 influence on violent crime. Um, I came in nearly two years ago um, and, you know, we've, it, particularly in Baltimore City, we've had an unprecedented uh, number of years in violent crime and homicides above 300 plus every year now for the past eight years and you know knocking on wood we are on track to, to hopefully uh, break that cycle as a team and uh, you know I could say as of today Baltimore City is down 20 plus percent in homicides I think 10 plus percent in non-fatal shootings but it's not just in Baltimore City it's throughout the state um, and in Prince George's, we're down, I think as of today, down 10% in, in homicides. So uh, we've taken that on as an office uh, in an unprecedented, uh, to an unprecedented degree. And uh, we've shown that, um, you know, as a team, federal, state, and local, and community, um, we really can make a difference, and we are. But what you're also saying is that crime is significantly dropping in cities like Baltimore under your leadership because of the work of the U.S. Attorney on the federal level. We do know that the governor, uh, Westmore, and his predecessor, uh, Governor Hogan, has given more resources to the U.S. Attorney Office than any other state in the United States uh, that support these efforts. How important is that support from the governor? Yes, that's my understanding. The uh and in Maryland, we are blessed with great, great partnerships across the board. Um, I'm focused as U.S. Attorney and our office in turning those partnerships into great teamwork. And yes, unprecedented level of funding, which began uh, uh, under uh, former Governor Hogan, and it's been seamless with Governor Westmore. That funding has continued with the potential of expanding, thanks to uh, both governors and the Maryland General Assembly. I explain to our audience this police reform and the Accountability Act, and do you suffer restraints as a result of it? Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. You know, state legislation doesn't have that much of an effect on what we do. Uh, we, you know. My position is whatever the whatever the state does, whatever our, our local and state partners decide that is is best policy-wise for them, we will adjust and work with our our partners as a team to get the job done. We just have to. The public is depending on us. How many criminal prosecutions, um, Mr. U.S. Attorney, do you 
initiate, let's say, annually, and how does that number compare with Maryland State or local prosecutions? Oh, so we, it, you know, it, I'm ballparking, but we probably have, you know, 10% or so of the, the, the criminal prosecutions that happen throughout the state. Most of the uh, investigations and prosecutions of your, you know, your kind of uh, run-of-the-mill violent crime and crime generally is done by your local and state officials. Uh, we are a relatively small shop uh, that has to cover the entire state. And so what we do is try to focus our resources on, as far as violent crime, the most violent, the repeat violent offenders, and those individuals and organizations who are the most drivers of the violence in our communities. And I think we're in a great position as the U.S. Attorney's Office to be a leader among our law enforcement and, and community organizations in this space to help uh, be a convener, a mediator, a facilitator, to help us all collaborate, to help us work as a team and be on the same page. So then how important is it for the state legislature to make sure they put laws in place to make sure that these repeat offenders, um, that people are prosecuted for crimes that they're they commit depending on what that crime is, whether it's homicide, whether it's rape, or however what you're pursuing at the time. How important is that state legislature? Well, the legislature, you know, I'm a former member of the legislature, they represent uh, their various constituencies, and collectively they come together and, you know, make decisions based on uh, what is best for the state, what they are seeing. Uh, uh, um, you know, around the state data-wise uh, and what the state's values are. Uh, and it's our job as the U.S. Attorney's Office to uh, see that, to work with whatever their judgment may be uh, policy-wise and, uh, and, you know, determine what, what gaps we can fill and how we can facilitate and help and work together. There's that word again, team, as a team. Go into a little more depth about sometimes the gaps that you need to fill. So um, sometimes uh, our you know, local state's attorney's office or your local police department may not have uh, the, the, the ability, the expertise, or the capacity to take on a large criminal organization or a large drug trafficking organization. We do have the expertise and the, the, the tools uh, as, as, a, uh, a, as their federal partner uh, to uh, work those kind of investigations um, to you know, broadly uh, investigate and root out organizations that may be uh, uh, across the state, regional or even international. Your local police department and your local state's attorney's office don't typically have that ability to do it alone. So that's where we can come in. How many prosecutions end with guilty pleas and what percentages actually go to jail? Oh, we, you know, at the U.S. Attorney's Office, we have, you know, somewhere around a, a, a 98 or so percent uh, conviction rate. Uh, and because we are focused on those who are the drivers of violence, your repeat violent offenders, and cases that will send a message of deterrence 
uh, to the individual and more broadly, uh, typically we're talking about matters that end up in incarceration. So what is your conviction rate for cases that go to trial? Yes, for cases that go to trial, we are, uh, you know, near 100 percent. We're not, wow. you know, we don't win everything, but uh, our losses are very few and far in between. Because by the time we're uh, trying a case, um, you know, we've crossed our T's, uh, you know, dotted our I's every which way. Fatal so, complete. Yes. You know, this is a more about federal versus the state. What crime, Mr. U.S. Attorney, must a 17-year-old in a state of Maryland commit to be prosecuted by you? He says 17-year-old? Yes. So typically... Teenagers. Yeah, so the, the federal system is not uh, uh, built to uh, prosecute juveniles, generally speaking. We can, but it's, it's, it's uh, the setup, the apparatus is, is burdensome in that respect. Typically, uh, your juveniles are left to the uh, state and local system to prosecute. But the juvenile crimes that we see today are unprecedented. And when you see this kind of behavior, which seems that some people say is encouraged by laws passed by legislatures, you have um, people in state office who don't believe that 25 years under should have a criminal record. You have them believing that teenagers, 16 and 17 year old, should not be incarcerated. But it's obvious by your track record to date, you are a law and order guy, and you believe that sometimes 25, 16s, or whatever need to be prosecuted by the full extent of the law. This is what your record has shown. Well, certainly believe in accountability. There's no question about it. But our office is also involved in prevention and intervention. Our office is modeling that we have to do, uh, it's not a in uh, uh, either or, mm -hmm. it's both and. And so we have a community outreach unit that is uh, getting in the schools with anti-violence and anti-bullying programming. Uh, we work with community organizations uh, and do I do community walks with organizations like uh, ROCA in Baltimore. Uh, our office hosts uh, re-entry fairs. We got about, within the next month, about three uh, separate re-entry fairs uh, throughout the state. Uh, if you're just doing law and order or uh, 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 focus on uh, accountability after somebody's already done something, uh, uh, you're only going to have limited success. You're spinning your wheels. And so we're trying to model that it, uh, we have to be involved in prevention and intervention. We have to be working with uh, uh, community-based organizations in this space. Uh, we have to do more, and that's why my office also uh, issued a, a, a public service announcement recently. We're going to talk about that when we come back. But listen, how effective is this intervention with these young people? Because when you look at the numbers in the state of Maryland, I mean, Baltimore alone, before your policies began to take effect, had almost 385 homicides, mm. half of the state. So you talk about these preventive measures. Do you need to do something in addition to these preventive measures that young people will respond to more than others? What is still missing here? Because it doesn't seem to impact the enormous uptick in crime by this younger generation. Well, I, I think we're seeing an impact. Uh, 
about it uh, a year ago, uh, the Department of Justice funded uh, uh, at least three separate organizations in Baltimore, uh, Roca Baltimore, uh, the um, Black Mental Health Alliance, and Living Classrooms. And the focus is on those organizations that have a track record, an evidence-based track record of success in prevention and intervention. And that work in sync with law enforcement and accountability efforts and also prevention efforts uh, is what's going to reduce crime in, our, in Baltimore City and beyond. I think what is often overlooked in crime is that the lingering impact it has on families for such a long time. Sometimes when brothers go to jail, the sister, the little sister has no one else at home to care for them. Sometimes they're put in foster care. When the father's placed in jail, sometimes they're just left all alone. And we don't talk enough about the lingering impact of crime. And we want to discuss that with you today. Sure. Yes, Attorney Barron's. Thank you. Yeah, we don't talk enough about it. All day, almost every day, out of our office comes a press release. And nine times out of ten, it's about an indictment, a sentencing, uh, something bad has happened, and someone is being held appropriately accountable. Um, and that message is important, and that sends a message of deterrence to the individuals involved. Uh, and also hopefully a general deterrence to those out there and sends the message, hey, if you do uh, wrongdoing, uh, you may end up uh, in a federal courthouse and in a federal correctional institution. Um, but we don't talk enough about what your actions might may mean to others, uh, not just uh, uh, victims of violent crime, but your own. Your, your mother, your grandmother, your sister, someone in your household, someone you love and care about. Um, we don't talk about that enough and the impact, uh, uh, the ripple effect that that has through our communities. Explain to our listeners what was going on in the package with the little girl in the classroom. Her brother comes to her and then they come and escort her out of the class and she finds herself in a room with glass that you can't really hear what's going on with law enforcement. Right. So I I I'd like which happens across the country. Right. Often. That 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 scenario is real. Um, and I I would like for the viewer to 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 fill the gaps for themselves, but clearly we have uh, a young girl in a, a a classroom. Looks like maybe they're taking a test. Um, but then appears someone she knows appears to be probably her brother. No one else in the classroom seems to know that this is going on, that she's having this interaction. Um, so maybe it's a ghost. Or maybe, you know, someone's hurt and it's found some way to send a message to someone they care about. Um, we see uh, a red uh, spot on T's back. Something has hurt tea. Um, and then the principal comes in and we cut to uh, an office, probably the principal's office, and there's a Baltimore City officer talking to Tasha 
and telling her something about tea. And clearly, it's not good news. Um, I'd rather the, the audience fill the gaps of what may or may not have happened, but the, the, the gist is, is that it's gun violence, you see that message, and gun violence, and that something wrong has happened, and it's impacted not just T, not just this uh, young man, um, but someone in his household. And you can imagine uh, all the things that might, that may mean, as you alluded to, to Tasha and whomever else uh, that T cares about, that Tasha cares about, what's gonna happen to this little girl? Mm. Who's gonna pick her up? Um, but the other message is this, and that's we're trying to drive people to our website and to our community-based partners, to our prevention, important prevention and intervention efforts uh, to make the point that you, not just the United States Attorney and not just law enforcement, but members of the community can have a role in ending gun violence. And that's what we hope to drive people uh, to the website to, to show that there are uh, people doing the hard work on the ground and that we as ordinary citizens can be a part of that teamwork to end gun violence. Yeah, no, I, I, want, I want to follow up um, because, you know, we hear this new terminology called victimless crime and they like to associate this with mm. car theft. Um, they say, well, with car theft, there's no victim. Well, look, the insurance policy, um, you have an, you have still have debt on an asset which you no longer have. Right. If you pay thirty thousand dollars for that vehicle and you put down twenty thousand twenty percent, you're out of six thousand dollars. Is there such a thing as victimless crime? If you're the victim of this seven plus thousand car thefts right. in the Baltimore City area? Right. I, you know, I I would say that there are few, if any, truly victimless crimes. I think you're right. Uh, you know, news report that overall liberal Democrats in Maryland are aligning themselves against state legislatures to change the laws um, that put criminals away. How involved are you, and does it enhance or hinder your job? I'm not involved at all in uh, you know the state uh, legislature and the work that they're doing. Their work, they were duly elected, and they are working on behalf of their constituents. Uh, my job is, regardless of what comes out of Annapolis or what comes out of D.C., my job is to get it done in tandem and in teamwork with all of our partners. It has to include the community. It has to include local, state, and federal law enforcement. R regardless of the play that's called, we got to get the blocking and tackling done. You know, it's interesting, the focus is always on Maryland, is crime in Baltimore City, but you know, crime is off the charts in Washington, D.C. as well. But it seems as though it gets a pass. I, I don't know, I'm taking care of, uh, you know, the District of Maryland. I do work with uh, our United States Attorneys in uh, uh, D.C. and uh, the Eastern District of Virginia. We work well together. We meet and talk and coordinate periodically. Um, because, you know, uh, those who do wrong, they don't care about the borders between, you know, these, the DMV, so to speak. Um, so, it, you know, it's my job to, uh, wherever possible, coordinate and work 
with my fellow colleagues uh, at, at Justice and at Maine Justice, and we do. Um, and you know whatever I can do, and, and we work with uh, you know our local partners, Chief Aziz and Prince George's County, uh, uh, to to make sure that we can work seamlessly together across the borders. You know, what ref informs your exercise of prosecutorial discretion, and what are the top three federal crimes that you, as U.S. Attorney of Maryland, prosecute? And do you decide your priorities, or do you take direction from the U.S. Attorney General? It's a, it's a great question. So uh, it starts with uh, the Attorney General, who has articulated, you know, the mission is, you know, uphold the rule of law to keep our nation safe, to protect civil rights, and to safeguard uh, 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 the citizens' uh, property. Uh, and so we start with those general principles and then dig down, I dig down and say, what does that mean for the District of Maryland? And my process coming into the office was to meet with each and every individual in the office and then more broadly all of our partners to determine what what do those priorities mean for Maryland and where should we start with Maryland and really it it's no secret first among equals has to be violent crime violent crime and I've decided that our office needs to uh, uh, tackle that like never before um, and so I'm focused on uh, not just the complex uh, uh, consp drug conspiracies, RICO conspiracies. Uh, we have to do that work as the United States Attorney's Office, but we can do more uh, with street-level violence. And we do that, I think, in a preventative manner by going after gun trafficking, uh, illegal gun trafficking, and those who are prohibited from carrying a firearm uh, uh, um, and, and prosecuting uh, felons and possession of firearms. Now, we have limited resources, so uh, my theory of the case is that if we focus on those who are most violent, uh, and particularly repeat violent offenders, and we catch them holding a firearm, if we prosecute them swiftly, certainly, then we will have prevented some other violence from even occurring so that hopefully we don't even have to get to that uh, uh, broader kind of uh, organizational conspiracy because we're taking them off the streets before they do something and so we are prosecuting uh, uh, coming out of the pandemic uh, a lot more uh, uh, repeat violent offenders for gun possession and gun trafficking do you think law enforcement in general in the United States still wrestle with racism. It seems as though, and this is just my observation, mm -hmm. that there are a lot of well-meaning people that believe that there are too many black youth incarcerated, and they get caught up in this thing called mass incarceration. Right. And when you look at the state of Maryland, you have 6.1 citizens, and only 15,000 people commit the crimes. How that is mass incarceration defined, I don't understand. But, and so they, put these laws in place because they feel there are too many black young men in jail. How do you balance out making decisions based on race and then you forget about the behavior, you forget about the repeating of that behavior where people lose their lives, they lose their way of life, businesses are destroyed, and young people begin to believe they're emboldened 
to commit these crimes and can also be used by others because they believe the law favors their behavior. Look, when we prosecute, we are not concerned with race, creed, color, anything. We're concerned with the facts and the law, and particularly those who are doing uh, the most harm. Um, we do have too many people incarcerated, uh, but we need to get to a point where we don't have people uh, harming one another. And the fact is, uh, those who are uh, 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 making us fearful in our communities because of the harm that they're doing, we have to hold them accountable. Uh, and we have to, we have to also do a better job of making sure people have uh, the, the values and the opportunities uh, to not to commit uh, crime in the first place so that we don't have uh, too many people uh, incarcerated. Um, but we don't, also don't want too many people being harmed in our community. What three reforms, or maybe two, that you champion, Mr. U.S. Attorney, that diminishes crime? Well, at, as the U.S. Attorney, I, you know, I'm not in a position of uh, uh, championing Maybe the wrong policies. Term, but that you uh, encourage. Uh, I can say, it, you know, as an office, uh, I know that our office is doing as much or more, probably uh, significantly more, uh, than the office has done in the recent past in community engagement. Uh, and in uh, bringing the community into the fold, into our strategy of crime prevention and intervention, uh, we can do a better job of modeling that uh, we're only spinning our wheels if we're only focused on accountability. We have to also be doing those things that are going to get people uh, successfully re-entered into our uh, society from incarceration and being good, productive citizens. We have to be in our schools and making sure that kids are going to school in the first place and that when they are, uh, they're protected, that they're getting their education, and that we are providing them all of the opportunities that, that others in, in, in all communities should have. How frequently do you prosecute state or local police for federal civil rights criminal violations like the George Floyd death in Minnesota? And do you hesitate to avoid alienating the police in the future cases where their cooperation is needed? Well, th those who are familiar with our office know that, uh, that we do prosecute uh, 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 long law enforcement when uh, they do wrong. Uh, we have active and ongoing investigations and prosecutions right now, uh, and we will not hesitate to hold police accountable uh, when they violate federal civil rights laws. Well, do you bring criminal cases only when you think you have proof of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt before the jury is selected? Yes. And we, we only bring those cases where we are fully confident uh, that the, the facts and the law are there. Now. Uh, ultimately, that's up to uh, uh, a grand jury to indict, and you know everyone is innocent until proven guilty. But we don't bring the case until we are confident that the allegations are true. And that's why you almost have a hundred percent. That's why. That's why. You know something you touched on. I made a note on something that you keep coming back to. You really placed an emphasis 
on the importance of poverty, poor schools, and broken families, lack of education that, that, that leads to this increase in crime? Well, I, I do think that uh, the, the, the family and, and, and however you might define that, I think of it broadly, but the household, that, that, that unit of people that care about one another, that love each other, that have uh, one another's back, that are a positive influence on one another uh, is, is, is and can be so critical. On, on whether someone uh, goes to the left and wrong or goes to the right and, go, and, and, and goes to school and, and uh, 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 fulfills their, their potential, so to speak. Um, and that, that's partly what that uh, public service announcement is trying to get to, is like, wait a minute, um, that household, that, 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 that thing is important. And, you know, so many of us, we may not care about ourselves or what happens to ourselves. We, not, we may not have that somebodiness. Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King talked about the, you know, life's blueprint. Mm -hmm. And it starts with somebodiness, that belief in yourself that you matter, that you are somebody. And unfortunately, uh, in some communities, young people don't have that. And I'm trying to emphasize that, you know, in, in every way I can when I go into schools and when I'm out in the, in the community. And, and hopefully maybe this PSA uh, speaks somewhat to that, that, you know, man, if you don't already have it in yourself, t Tasha believes in tea. Tasha needs tea. And maybe it will show uh, an individual that maybe if they don't, uh, if they don't uh, uh, worry about their own uh, safety, uh, harm coming to them, or them being incarcerated. Maybe if they think think about Tasha or their their mother, their grandmother, their sister, um, that that might spark uh, the somebodyness in them. That they matter. They matter to uh, their household, to their community, uh, and it might prevent them or take them in a different path. And that that. Household, that family, those associate that that can it can almost be anybody. I mean, I've had people uh, growing up that weren't weren't blood, uh, were just people that uh, uh, you know took a liking to me for whatever reason, and 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 lent me a hand and gave me an encouraging uh, uh, word. Um, those are the things that, believe it or not, can help to end gun violence. You know. One of the reasons why we wanted to profile you today, because it helps me with a stereotype that I have been guilty of. You know, mm -hmm. I always assume that President Biden appoints U.S. attorneys who have no respect for the law and they embrace this woke culture and youth can go out and commit these crimes. But you're an example that the president does care about law enforcement because you're allowed to do your job. Because the Bible said, give credit where credit is due and you have to give credit to the president for making this appointment because listen you're an example for other u.s state attorneys of how to reduce crime because you're not here because you just happen to be an american who's black you're here because you have to uphold the rule of law and protect the citizens against criminals in the society um I'm here because I have a passion for public service. I believe that that's what I'm uh, created to do. 
Um, and this is a, an awesome opportunity to do that. Um, the blessed thing is I'm not alone. There are so many uh, talented uh, professionals in my office uh, and beyond that I'm, you know, so blessed and have the opportunity to work with. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.